Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And you might think that I opened by reading that passage from Matthew chapter five as some sort of response or commentary to something that's happening or has happened recently in culture. And you're not wrong if you think that that passage was applicable. But I've gotta be honest, we've planned to talk about this topic and pick these passages weeks ago. Now, ironically, I have pasted, posted that, that passage a couple times on my own personal social media feed over the last year. And there have been moments where political tension was high and that passage sure felt applicable. There were moments that racial tension was high and that really felt applicable. There were no shortage of things being said this last year and there's a lot more that we could say or we could discuss. And today isn't about any of the climate of America right now. Those verses are called the Beatitudes and they come out of a couple chapters in Matthew chapters five and six that, that are really a part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was in a lot of ways the, the public coming out party or the launch party of the life and ministry of Jesus. This was the first time that he was really announcing what his ministry would look like, what his way of life would look like. And this was the first time that people would see how much his life was different than the life that they had known or experienced. This was the first time that they would see that the, the life of Jesus was in stark contrast to the rest of the world. See, the things that Jesus said in this passage and would go on to say in the Sermon of the Mount and live in his life and embody completely capture the upside down way of God. The way that God wants us to live, the way that Jesus modeled his life takes life as we know it and flips it on its head. It's almost like whatever most people are doing, whatever most people are saying, whatever is considered to be normal or logical, Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, uh, don't do that. Actually, uh, do the exact opposite of that. Do what people don't expect you to do. If you already didn't see this contrast and feel this contrast, Jesus is talking about being poor in spirit. He's talking about mourning. He's talking about being meek and merciful. And in chapter five, he keeps going to make his point. Jesus says that many people want to fit in, but his followers should actually stand out 
from the crowd. They should stand out like salt does on food or like light does in darkness. Jesus says that we all know murder is a sin, but he kind of raises the bar and says, listen, the problem starts with anger alone. That's even a, a sin. Jesus says his famous line about if someone strikes you, you should turn the other cheek. And he goes on to talk about loving your enemies and giving to the needy and even the way that we should view money. And none of these things seem natural as we hear them. He's blowing up our paradigms of thinking. And that's why I love so much something that Jesus says in chapter six. That's our landing point for today. Well, it's week two, week three, actually, I'm sorry, in our series, Vital Signs, and we are talking through things that are vital and should be important and should be obvious in the life of a Christ follower. You can lie about your personal health, but your vital signs tell the truth of where you are. You can lie to yourself, you can lie to others, but your vital signs, your pulse, your, your, your breath, some of the, the main things that health professionals track are gonna tell exactly where you are. And so we've been talking through this concept of being Jesus-centered. We've been talking about it's vital to grow in God's word. And today we wanna talk about the vitality of prayer because without prayer, we will never see and never live God's heart for the world. Here is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verses five to 15. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. It's almost like Jesus knew that living for him would not be easy for you and I. It's almost like Jesus knew that living for him and living a life that honors him would not come natural. It's almost like he knew that a bunch of broken, sinful, selfish, carnal humans that that are born with sin nature would have trouble doing anything but thinking about ourselves. And I think you can tell that there's a little sarcasm dripping from my tone here because of course Jesus knew that and of course that's true of you and I. So what Jesus gives us is a solution, a formula, a method for us to make sure that we can think like him and process like him and live like him and act like him as we interact with this world. He teaches us about prayer by modeling prayer. And there's another telling of this in Matthew 6, if you wanna look that up. But Jesus knew that we couldn't live a Matthew 5 heart without a Matthew 6 heart prayer life. And he gave us the roadmap here. The reason that we struggle to live out the heart of God is because we aren't connecting to the heart of God. See, prayer connects us to the heart of God and we are changed as we spend time with him. 
And so I want to look back at this passage, the one we just read out of Matthew 6, and, and look at this prayer again and see the seven gifts that, that this prayer template gives us, because it really unpacks everything that prayer can be in our lives and in our hearts. And the next time you're thinking, man, I'm having trouble living out this meek, mild, poor in spirit thing, you can think, well, I can't do Matthew chapter 5 without Matthew 6 prayer. Here's what this teaches us about prayer. I love that it starts out and says, our Father in heaven. Here's the first thing that prayer does. Write this down if you're a note taker today. Prayer lets us connect with God relationally. See, we do not deserve relationship with God. And yet out of mercy, we have just that. We have access to know God and talk to God and be with God. Scripture tells us that we haven't received a spirit, a spirit that makes us fearful, but we've received God's spirit and that we're his adopted children and we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. See, this is not just someone that's distant, someone that we don't know. This is our dad. And in the same way in high school, when you got in your first car wreck and you called your dad and you said, I need help, what, what do I do? The first way that you called your dad, maybe when you bought that first house and you said, dad, what do I, what do I do? When you bought that first car, when you have to move and you say, hey, dad, can I, can I borrow the truck? See, God loves for us to call him father. And so we get to establish our intimate relationship with him and thank him for the relationship that we have. And so this wording, our father in heaven, doesn't mean that our heavenly father is this distant, unknown entity that we don't know. No, the word in heaven doesn't mean that God is off playing a, a harp and sitting on a cloud. It, it just simply means this, that he's other. But that doesn't make him distant to us. That should actually make us excited that we get to know him. We get to have an intimate relationship with someone who is so other from us that it blows our mind and we don't deserve it. And yet here we are able to know God and be in the presence of God. Prayer lets us connect with God relationally. He says, our Father in heaven. It goes on to say, may your name be kept holy. Here's the second gift of prayer. Prayer lets us worship God's name. Here's the thing about God's name. God's name is a place of protection. And Proverbs 18.10 tells us the righteous can run there and be safe. We can hide in God. We can be protected in God and we can worship his name because of the shelter and protection that we can find. His names mean righteousness. His name is sanctifier. His name is healer. His name is banner of victory. His name is shepherd. His name is peace. And his name is provider. Now I could go into all of the words and all of the ancient meanings, but I want you to know that is who your God is. That is who my God is. That is who our God is. He is righteousness. He is sanctifier. He is healer. He's a banner of victory. He's shepherd. He's peace. He's provider. And worship is when we focus on God's character and respond to his goodness by continually offering our hearts. See, prayer lets us connect with God relationally and prayer lets us worship his name. In this prayer, Jesus said, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. The third gift of prayer is that it lets us put God's agenda first. I asked my kids this week, what's the most annoying thing I do? And I was probably fishing for something that, that I didn't want to hear. But they said, well, sometimes you're pretty OCD and you make us pick up a lot. But what they were getting at was there are moments that, that I have an agenda with our house. Now, some of you would say cleanliness isn't bad. Cleanliness is next to godliness, right? But 
but they're seeing my agenda come out for our house. I have an agenda that I want our house to look good. I want it to feel good. And sometimes I take that too far and take the fun out of their lives. Well, here's the thing about our heavenly father that's so other that we get to have an intimate relationship with. We get to pray his agenda and it puts his agenda first in our lives. It brings it to the forefront and his agenda is not selfish. His agenda is what's best. His agenda is truth. God gives us everything we need and we get to make his kingdom our primary concern. God has priorities of loving us and, and living out justice and, and, and loving the lost and seeking and saving the lost. And we get to have those priorities as we spend time with God. This prayer that Jesus models goes on to say, give us today the food we need. Now, yes, that's talking about food and yes, food's important, but the principle that's modeled there is that prayer helps us depend on God for everything. When we're looking to God, when we're talking to God, when we're seeing him answer prayers and when we're opening our heart to him, we realize that we can depend on him for everything. And so these things are building on each other. Once you realize who God is and once you have his agenda first, you realize that you don't really control a lot in your life. I look up to the mountains does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's a passage out of Psalm 121. See, we get to ask God for what we want and need and then trust him for the answer. And prayer teaches us that we can depend on God for everything. Prayer lets us connect with God relationally. Prayer lets us worship his name. Prayer puts God's agendas first and prayer helps us depend on God for everything. Jesus went on in the Lord's prayer and he said this, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Another gift of prayer, another way that prayer ushers us into the heart of God is that prayer helps us get our heart right with God and with people. Now that you realize that the world doesn't revolve around you, now that you realize it, that it, it's, it's really not just about what you want and what you see, prayer changes the way that you see yourself the way that you see God and the way that you see other people, prayer ushers humility into our lives. Scripture tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You and I, when we talk to God, when we come before God, we get to ask God to check our heart and check our motives and we get to receive his forgiveness in the areas in our life that, that he brings to mind. We get to forgive those who have offended us and we get to say, Lord, I don't deserve you, but I'm grateful to know you and I wanna pass on that mercy and compassion and grace to others. The, the Lord's prayer goes on to say, and do not let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, prayer helps us engage in spiritual warfare. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We've heard that scripture passage out of Ephesians 6, but it says that our, our struggle is against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against certain political leaders. Our battle is not against certain people in our lives. Our battle is not against our enemies. Our battle is against Satan in this world that's been given to him, this fallen, sinful world. And so we get to take our stand against the enemy and fight the good fight. We get to fight the good fight of faith every day when we wake up and say, Lord, I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna live for you today. 
Every lie that the enemy tells us, every way that he attacks us, every way that he tries to drag us down and affect our lives and, and, and take us off task from honoring God is an attack. And we have to replace that with God's word. We have to replace that with God's truth. And that's what prayer helps us do. Prayer helps us engage in spiritual warfare. There's a account of this passage elsewhere in scripture that says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever as it's closed. And, and the final gift of prayer is this, that prayer helps us express faith in God's ability. See, it's one thing to say, oh, God's really good. He might come through. Oh, God's really good. I'm depending on him and hoping this works out. It's another thing to say, I'm looking to God. I'm depending on God. He's changing my heart and I know that he will provide. I know that he will come through. I have faith that he's going to move and work and be in line with his character. We get to end our prayer time by reminding ourselves of God's ability. We get to return to praise and make our faith declarations. Lord, yours is the kingdom. All rule belongs to you. Yours is the power. Almightiness flows from you and yours is the glory. Your victory will be complete and will be good as you say it is. Prayer lets us connect with God relationally. Prayer lets us worship his name. Prayer puts God's agenda first and prayer helps us depend on God for everything. Prayer helps us get our heart right with God and people. Prayer helps us engage in spiritual warfare and prayer helps us express faith in God's ability. That's what Jesus modeled in Matthew chapter six and that's the gift that prayer can be to us. See, prayer isn't just this empty, showy exercise. I mean, Jesus said that when he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray publicly. When you pray, go away by yourself. He said, it's not all about being seen and heard. It's not all about the show. It's not about you feeling good. It's much deeper than that. The value is in time with Jesus. The value is in taking time to be with Jesus, to talk to him, to process with him and to let Jesus change your heart. Here's our big idea for this morning. Prayer transforms us because it aligns our heart with God's heart. We're sinful and we're broken, and yet Jesus meets us where we are and he transforms us. He transforms our heart. He transforms our character. He transforms our speech. He transforms our actions. Here's the honest truth. I do my best to, to act like I have it together when I'm around church people. And I hope that that's not shocking to you. I think we all do that. When we're around our friends, when we're around our family, we want people to admire us and to think we're great. But here's, here's what you need to know about Mark's heart. My heart is arrogant. My heart is prideful. My heart is sinful. My heart lacks compassion. My heart lacks wisdom. My heart is a selfish, sinful mess. That's who I am left my own devices. And so I don't want to give the world my heart. I was talking to a friend recently about a topic and he said, I want to know what you think. I don't want to know what the Bible says because I, I kept quoting scripture. And the reason that it's so important that we stand on scripture, that we stand on God's truth is because you don't want to know what my heart says about anything. It's going to be a sad, sad picture of a broken, sinful man. So I don't want to give the world my heart. I don't want to give the world my reactions. I don't want to give the world my emotions. I don't want to give the world my opinions. I want to give the world God's heart. I want the world to see God's heart through me and through my life. And so the next time you're scrolling Facebook and you see something that catches your eye politically, you see a, a conversation on race that you want to be involved in, 
You can absolutely be involved in that, but you might be tempted to give the world your heart and your views and your emotion and your reaction and your opinion and truthfully your sinfulness and your brokenness. That's not what the world needs. We need to ask ourselves, is this my heart or is this the heart of God? And before you react and give them what naturally spews up out of your mind and your mouth and your heart, ask yourself, is this the heart of God? It's not just the way we interact with the world. Sometimes the way we look at ourselves does not reflect the heart of God. God has told us that we have an identity in him, that we are called, we are chosen, we are sanctified, we're his children. And so there are people watching this who who struggle with their mental health, who struggle with the way they view themselves, the way they get down on themselves. The next time you're down on yourself and you're saying, I'm worthless, no one loves me, I have no value, ask yourself, is that my broken, sinful opinion? Am I giving my heart? Or is that the heart of God? Next time you have a moment to show compassion, to show mercy, to bless someone, to give generously, to work toward justice, and it's not coming naturally, ask yourself, am I reflecting my heart or do I need to spend time with my God? Do I need to spend time in prayer with my God and let him transform my character so that I can show his heart? The heart of God is for people who are lost. If your heart is not for people who are lost, then you may want to check your heart. It's our natural inclination to protect what's ours at all costs. And so if your natural inclination and what you're showing to the world is one that's defensive and protective of you, you may want to check your heart and ask where your heart is. The answer, the solution to a jaded heart that's struggling to live out the heart of God is not hard to fix. In fact, as Jesus said how we should act, he gave us this pattern for prayer right after because he knew that we would have to spend some time in prayer to align our heart, to change our heart, and to focus our heart. Prayer transforms our heart to be in line with God's heart. And the world needs God's heart. You and I need God's heart. Prayer is vital because it aligns our heart with God's heart and lets us live our faith out. So I hope you've seen today that prayer is vital for your spiritual life not just so you can feel good, not just so you can get by, not just so you can function, or not just so you can be seen. No, prayer helps us connect with God relationally and worship him and put his agenda first and depend on him and get our heart right in the way that we view God and people. It helps us engage in spiritual warfare and it helps us express faith in God's ability. We need to be a people who are dependent in prayer. We need to be a church that is dependent in prayer because we want to live out the heart of God for this world. Imagine what it would look like for hundreds of people who who call Movement Church home, who are centered on the heart of God, who are living out the heart of God as they interact with the world. Imagine the difference it would make. Imagine the, the waves that that would cause. Imagine what people would see if they interacted daily with the heart of God and not just the heart of some broken, sinful, selfish people. Let's be dependent in prayer so that we can live out the heart of God this week. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you've done by sending your son Jesus so that we can know you and have relationship with you. And thank you for the way that you call us to live for you as a worshipful response. God, help us this week to spend time with you, talking to you and reminding ourselves of where we stand and where our identity is in you and that you are in control. Lord, help us to spend time dependent in prayer with you so that our heart reflects your heart so that we can love people the way that you love people. God, we love you so much. 
thank you for, for sending your son Jesus and for changing our lives and changing our future and changing our trajectory. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.